1: so then at 739 the recent chinese stock market crash was obviously a reminder of the challenges involved in anticipating fast moving markets even if like me you view these things slightly dispassionately uh maybe though you did have a lot at stake and and you can say that you know you felt the pinch of that the thing is Down the line, we all feel the pinch one way or another. The effect on macroeconomics is undoubted. So, very helpful to have somebody, not only on the line now, but in the world, who can help us anticipate these moves. So, uh, as we now continue to celebrate the start of our new fall season, we've got the pleasure of introducing Nobel Prize winner Dr. Lars Peter Hansen. He received his accolade in 2013, having advanced the field of econometrics. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Dr. Lars Peter Hansen, also a Distinguished Professor of Economics at the University of Chicago. Uh, just to complete the introduction, can you tell us a bit more about your model and, and how you've contributed to this field in, in as simple terms as possible, just to kick us off?
0: Sure. So, I guess the uh, the work that I was recognized for had to do with the following. Um, I've been fascinated over the years with the connections between financial markets and the macroeconomy. Um, one could imagine that to study this, you had to you build some elaborate model of the macroeconomy with a, with a bunch of um, specificity having to do with the financial markets, and this could be a very, very complex modeling uh, modeling venture. And as a field, we're still learning about all this stuff. So that the statistical methods that intrigued me were ones that – I think of allowed you doing something without doing everything. It allowed us to think about the linkages between the macroeconomy and financial markets without having a full-blown model of the macroeconomy and mm. a fully rich model of all the financial markets. So it was allowed, allowed us to take a step in terms of a more fundamental understanding without having to mix everything together simultaneously all at once. And I think it's, uh, and that led to a lot of myself and a bunch of other researchers applying these methods to try to understand things better.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are countless uh, mathematical models that can be applied very successfully to real-world situations. Can you tell us about some cases where econometrics has has helped to identify hidden economic trends?
0: Yeah, so I can, perhaps I can best talk about the type of applications that intrigue me and interest me. yeah, sure. So as I said, my my interest in econometrics was this linkages between financial markets and the macroeconomy. So yeah, you know, what, how do financial markets reflect what goes on in the macroeconomy, and how do changes in financial markets influence the macroeconomy? What are the linkages there, and that's which I, which which remains a very fascinating topic to me. And to understand this, what's been interesting is to think about, um, I inside financial markets at any point in time investors are weighing different type of opportunities for investment with different types of risk associated with them and different mm. type of opportunities and these things also change over time and trying to understand how uh, how markets you know be, become bold sometimes and cautious other times and what drives that and, under, and 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 um what are the best economic models we have to understand that phenomenon is is, is what's intrigued me and he. And, um, interestingly enough, for uh, my early research was all about exposing flaws and gaps and problems in models of what their limitations were. Uh, yeah, the standard models of the day were not were failing along some key dimensions, and that's led to people thinking, you know, much about much more richer ways in which investors confront risk, cope with risk, and and and, uh, and understand how things, um, how the dynamics of this, how does it change over time, and you know, what drives boldness and caution and the like. Mm. So I think that you know using formal statistical methods is, is has, has has you know has helped us understand this um, we could stop with storytelling you know and, and we could tell stories about this different but but the real challenge for for people like myself is is to turn this into you know formal models and tests and using empirical evidence to try to assess the quality of those models.
1: And and if you were to apply that um retrospectively For example, uh, the late uh, 2000s financial crisis, um, have you found it to be very helpful?
0: Yeah, so um, the type of methods that I look at uh, are are these so-called time-series methods. So really what they have to do is look across different episodes. Um, and so they're not all designed to give you a very specific narrative of each different episode, but it's, but it's more try to connect the episodes, you know, that, um, uh, on the, how does the past influence our thinking about the present and, and future and the like mm-hmm. the thing about special about these financial crises, they, they seem to, at least when catch people by surprise, there, there, was a, there's a sense of a certain comfort with the way things were and, and, um. And no, and, and very few people anticipated the extreme, you know the rather dramatic consequences of the financial crisis, so yes. it ca- catches people by surprise, it shakes up their views of the world, and how does shaking up that view of that world really you know affect what uh, the future behavior of financial markets? Does that make it more cautious and for more cautious for how long and, and, and the like and so that's a real interesting challenge there
1: but, but sometimes it's also yeah. exciting
0: to get narratives for specific uh, uh, you know, crisis narratives and, and, and lots of detailed understanding of it, and, and as a professional we're doing that as well. Um, that's less involved with my own research, but I think that's really a critical complement to the type of uh, issues that interest me.
1: Well, crisis might be a strong word, but one narrative that we might bring up that the government would say was completely um, a surprise would have been this summer's MERS outbreak here in, in Korea, and uh, yeah. it was really uh, used to blame slowing growth, which, in fairness, had started before before the outbreak. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, there's no doubt it had an impact. So how far does a model like yours take into account unexpected developments like that?
0: So so that's the really thing that makes the model tick in many respects. Um, How do we capture the uncertainties, and and how how do we guess about the uncertainties that might occur in the future? So I can't tell you exactly what, you know, the, you know, the precise nature the precise outcome of this uncertainty in the future but try to capture what how that affects cautious behavior and the, and the like so what you want is a functioning economy in which you know these uncertainties like this you know mirrors is is, is something that the uh, markets help you to cope with um, but uh, and, and, and and don't lead to you know, really big and exact you know um, dramatic um, Negative outcomes uh, coming from that now in this particular circumstance, I think I'm sympathetic with your perspective that the uh, that the government may, may 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 well have been using this to uh, uh, blame on a much more fundamental problem about sluggish recovery Yes it's been true in a variety of economies uh, across the world and not just unique to you know not just korea
1: well, and like other countries we've seen a, a series of interest rate cuts here yes. C- can a model like right. yours be? Uh, used not only to make good decisions in the future with regard to monetary policy, but also to assess whether cuts have been the right direction or not.
0: Yeah, so there's fascinating questions about the role of cuts, and I think it's it's still to be understood. Um, Like in the United States, there's a so-called dual mandate that the the role of monetary policy is to both um, uh, not let inflation get out of hand, but also to um, support labor markets. And it's a linkages to labor markets. It was just a much more subtle thing from the standpoint of the empirical evidence, um, which I think we're. We, um, uh, and it's, of course, we see labor market, you know, we, we see late labor market outcomes and we see them move, but we don't really know how much of that's attributable to the monetary policy versus other forces in the underlying economy. Mm. And so that we're still learning about. And, and um, uh, one of the things I've been trying to feature in my research is the fact that, you know, our knowledge of the world isn't isn't perfect; it's imperfect, and we have to make smart decisions with uh, limited in, uh, information, and that's the key challenge. And too often, our policymakers want to appeal to economists that come up and tell them they know exactly what's going on, when indeed they probably don't. Um, and and the more sensible policies are the ones that acknowledge that you know maybe our understanding isn't complete, maybe it's limited, but, but we still want to make intelligent decisions.
1: Notwithstanding all that would you suggest that we are likely to see uh, some sort of major financial crisis in, in the coming months years uh, that there are some experts who who are anticipating yeah. that yeah
0: interesting question so uh I me mean, the most fundamental question now is you know this getting the worldwide out out of, out of this kind of very sluggish recovery I think I personally think it 's unlikely that that that, that 'll be a big crisis in the near future um, I, you know, but but i can 't tell you that it, that it would have pinpointed the previous crisis either um, at some point in time there'll probably be another financial crisis and yeah. um, we, we just don 't know when and i i don 't i 'll be very surprised if it occurs immediately, but I think the the, the bigger challenge that the world economy' is facing is to um this this is kind of this inertia sluggishness which we've been confronting yeah in fact in this respect the u.s economy looks a little bit better than some of the other economies in terms of um working its way out of it but uh there's lots of interconnections in this world you know like uh, for instance korea relies a lot on exports and the like so it's not you know korea obviously cares a lot about what goes on elsewhere not just inside its own country
1: so so you're not so so worried about the inevitable crises that we see spike upwards and downwards you're worried about a general trend uh, that has slowed down growth to the point where, you know, it's very difficult to bring about solutions to, to core issues like, for example, youth unemployment.
0: Yeah. So, I do think that we can address those, but there's, but, it's, but, but but those are not ones that we address really quickly. Um, I think labor market flexibility is, is just really critical, especially if you look at export countries under which are competing with other countries, in, uh, um, you know, labor markets in order to uh, produce goods and the like. Um, you want a flexible labor market. Plus, you want you don't want to run the risk of losing the smart young people from your country to no. uh, to, uh, to go elsewhere for better jobs. You just don't want to lose that form of human capital. Not at all. Uh, uh, and and so you really so that part I think would you know you know long term growth prospects and how we really exp, you know um, use effectively the talented youth and not you know exclude them from the labor market, I think is really
1: critical. Well, inspired by that comment, we're going to continue this with the discussion of the uh, proposed wage peak system already in place uh, in the next half hour. For now, Dr. Lars-Peter Hansen, thank you so much for joining us. Sure.
0: My privilege.
1: Dr. Lars-Peter Hansen, Nobel Prize winner in 2013, um, out of the University of Chicago. We would love to have your thoughts. We can read them out live, uh, but in depth as well by email your opinions and questions regarding any of our interviews or topics this morning you can get in touch right now efm this morning at gmail.com so that's all one word efm this morning at gmail.com